Well, can uh, you describe? Can you describe the where we are? Uh, we're on the top. Well, I've always Highland Church. Yeah, we're at the Highland Church. Uh, I forget what the name of the knob is. Do they call this Highland or, or uh, Highland? Okay, I didn't remember if it was called Highland or uh, Klondike. Klondike's on the next ridge, isn't it? Klondike next hill over. Yeah, next hill over. But we're uh, we're way up here on the ridge. Uh, there's a miracle runs on the other side, right? Yeah, miracle runs. Yeah. Flat runs on your side. Yeah, I think it's flat run coming up or miracle run. But uh, there's a mine right down here in the bottom. Uh, Lived here all my life and don't know the story of this deal right back. Well, here. you're gonna hear it because this guy's the actual folklorist. He goes around actually talking to people all over the place. He says, I think it's a myth. It, it, it pretty much. I mean, it's it's it basically is like a, a legend, is what it is. Because and, I know the name on the grave, and the name that's on the grave is related to some of my people. Well, <laughs> really, her parents were one of the uh, founders of this church. But the thing is, the, the the whole legend is is this lady was a witch, and they talk about how. Yeah, you come up here, her stone's moved and this and that. It's backwards, and supposedly this is a stairway to hell instead of a stairway to heaven. But what people do is they come up here and they they, they, they spin this. This thing moves. People have spun it. No. Yeah, but uh, it's led to people come up here doing... I've come up here before, and I've seen candles around it and everything. And, and this They one, spin the tombstone? Yeah. This one over here is supposed it, to be a warlock, and it's one? got two different names. It's supposed to be a what? This is a warlock. <laughs> and it's got two different names at two different times of the century. Yeah. This See, was this is 1900. That's 1905. So how could that be? This was supposed to be her nephew that died in a tragic farming accident. And because of her being a witch or whatever, it was she cursed him or something like that. Uh, but yeah, it's... It's a whole legend, but it's 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 well known around here. People come up here. I mean, there's there's like they've had to have cops come up here in the past, sit here like on Halloween night because people would come up here and do all kind of tear everything in this place stuff. up. This is our numinous nature, and I'm your host, Philippe we'll be hearing the profound stories of people with a deep connection to the natural world, from herbalists to hunters, wildlife rehabilitators to trappers, artists to homesteaders. The list goes on. My hope is to thread a needle that weaves together the many nature-related passions through stories of reverence. In nature, I've found meaning, a richness for life that grows with each new day. Maybe you feel the same, or maybe you long to. What you just heard was a little recording from a Our Numinous Nature field trip post-podcasting with today's guest, Les Odell. Les is a West Virginian. He is a paranormal investigator. He um, has been a longtime truck driver, and he is a folklorist. Now, he doesn't consider himself a folklorist, but he goes out and he records all these stories from people in West Virginia about their experiences paranormal and with cryptids. So we're going to hear all about that in a moment, but let me just tell you a little bit about that intro that you heard. So we recorded a podcast 
this is a really excellent one. Um, and afterwards I'm about to leave and you know, he, where we met up, um, we recorded this in a park and, uh, you'll have to excuse. There's a lot, uh, every once in a while, there's a big dump truck that goes tearing by. So you'll have to excuse that. But we recorded in, in a little park. And as I was about to leave, I've got like a three hour and 50 minute drive home. And Les says, Hey, you know, next time you're here, I'd love to show you the witch's grave. I'm like, what? The witch's grave. Is it on my way home? He says, yes. So I'm like, well, I mean, let's do it. So I follow him out. We go down into the town of Mannington. Um, Les pulled over at a monument that is for the lives of 78 miners that died in a mining accident in the 1960s. Some of their bodies were never found, and the reason for the explosion in the mine is was never determined. And uh, as we were leaving the monument, Les walked underneath a um, oak tree, and I asked, what, what are you doing? And he picked up a little acorn, a green acorn, and he said, according to folklore, I guess it's good luck in the early fall when the first acorns are dropping to pluck one of those acorns and put it in your pocket and to carry it in your pocket until spring. And when spring comes, you plant that acorn. How neat is that? So we got back into our cars and I followed him through this winding hollow past some houses in that hollow to the very back of what seemed like the very back of this hollow. And then we went up a uh, rocky gravel road up to a steep ridge through the woods to this church. And it seemed like a very oddly placed church is, you know, pretty far from the houses and at the very top of this ridge. And we got there and there seemed to be someone there who was like something of a groundskeeper. He was weed whacking. And uh, the three of us walked over to look at the witch's grave. And that's exactly what you just heard. And what I found so interesting there is that the man doing the weed whacking, he, he knew the legends and he pointed out the, a warlock's grave. And I really understood that whereas I grew up in the suburbs where yes, some people went to church every Sunday, but there's really no, the mythological is not alive. The spiritual is not alive. The superstitious is not alive in the suburbs. But here, like two locals both know these legends that are very much alive. And as you heard in that intro, we walked over to those graves and Les told us a little bit about them. So after checking out that grave, Les uh, led me into the church, which was unlocked. And he pointed out behind the cross, um, up uh, behind the pulpit is the stain of a circle. And he said, that is where somebody graffitied a pentagram. So man, oh man, the mythical is alive and well in Appalachia. So let's get into it with today's episode. So Les, like I said, he is a paranormal investigator. His passion is cryptids. So creatures, folkloric creatures, um, paranormal creatures. He has a Facebook group and account called West Virginia Cryptids and Strange Encounters. You can reach out to him there. Um, he has a little book called West Virginia Cryptids, 
a uh, visual guide for traversing the mountain state that he made with a friend of his who is a um, graphic designer artist. And he also sells t-shirts that are awesome that say West Virginia cryptids and strange encounters. So the way I found Les, um, I'm going to give a little shout out here. So um, not far from where we met and from where Les lives is the Frank and Jane Gabor West Virginia Folklife Center. And that is on the campus of Fairmont State University. So a year ago, I called up that Folklife Center and I spoke with Tiffany Martin and I asked her for a reference to someone who knows all about witch lore. And she connected me to her friend, Tyler Chadwell English. And if you've been listening to the podcast, then you know that that was last Halloween's special. And that episode has been listened to almost three times more than some of the episodes, some of the other Our New Miss Nature episodes. It's hands down the most popular episode. It was incredible. And he told us all about the witch lore of West Virginia and Appalachia in general. So again, I asked Tiffany, I said, hey, you know, I'm kind of interested in, in cryptids. I don't know much about it. Do you know anyone who, you know, his, his uh, folkloric specialty is cryptids? And she pointed me in the direction of Les. So a big shout out to Tiffany Martin. Now, one thing I wanted to mention about Les that I feel like added so much character is when I met Les in uh, this little park that he was strapping, he had his open carry his open carry pistol. And of course, if you live in West Virginia, if you live in Virginia, seeing people with their pistols on their side is very normal. And many people who've been on the podcast have concealed, um, you know, concealed permits. But what I thought was so fun is to be a bit imaginative and a bit whimsical is that this idea of the well-armed folklorist, and it just, it was just so fun for me to think like how cool that, to have this paranormal, kind of like a vigilante paranormal sheriff. And that's kind of fun to think of Les as something like that. You know, it's like almost like a movie character, the guy who shows up to the Bigfoot um, encounter strapping in case something might go down in the woods. I just thought that was a little fun tidbit to add to this. So let's talk about a little bit about what you're going to hear today. The first half of this podcast is quite imaginative and fun, um, sometimes dark, but uh, sometimes a little whimsical, but it's it's fun and exciting and mentally stimulating. You know, Les tells us all about stories that he has recorded from people around West Virginia, what they've experienced. Some of them are pretty spooky. Some of them are pretty frightening and nightmarish. And then there's some, like the one he tells about an anthropologist that he met with who had an experience in the Dolly Sods area, which is a uh, which is a high plateau. If you've ever been hiking out there, it's incredible. It's like high plains plateau. Um, it has a lot of everybody, a lot of people go hiking back there. Um, he told a story about an anthropologist over there. And, and then that story was like, kind of seemed ridiculous and cartoon and over the top. So there's a lot of variety to the stories you're going to hear that Les has um, documented. And you're going to hear about all these really, um, uh, these really, I don't know what the right word is, flavorful 
um, cryptids. Like the what I love about these Appalachian and Southern cryptids is they have the most wonderful names. And um, in his book, he's got a handful of them. You know, today you're going to hear about Mothman, and you're going to hear about um, the Snarly Owl, which is a devil dog. But some of them we're not you, we're not going to get to on the podcast, um, like the Snallygaster or the Wampus Cat or the Flatwoods Monster. So I just love these names. So the whole topic of cryptids, I've never really had much of an opinion on. I've never really thought very much about it. But I'll tell you what, I love Les's approach. I really appreciate his approach to this. You know, sometimes when you see this stuff on on media, um, it's really over the top and it seems fake and kind of um, just kind of corny and campy, but I love Les's approach, which is basically, he doesn't know what any of this stuff is, but clearly he speaks to people who are having very intense, very mysterious, very meaningful and frightening, and sometimes like a heightened moment in their entire life are these experiences that Les is recording. So I really appreciate um, how Les goes about this. I really loved speaking with him. So the first half is all about cryptids. The second half, it has a totally different vibe. Um, Les shares what his father considers a family curse. So Les shares a personal experience about his family, these paranormal experiences that have been happening to different members in his family. And man, it is so intense. When he told me the story in person, listening to it on the podcast, I, uh, I mean, the feeling I had in my body was of dread. And then when I re-listened to it, I almost cried because it's very heavy. There's a major weight to it. And when I drove home, um, you know, nearly four-hour drive home back to where I am in the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia, I didn't listen to any music. I didn't listen to any podcasts. I just thought about Les's story. And um, his story is one of the most haunting things I think I've ever heard. Certainly on the podcast, it's one of the most haunting accounts. But it is uh, chilling, really chilling and really mysterious in a very terrifying way. And, you know, I also thought about just some of the sites that you see driving through West Virginia. You know, there are some areas that you drive through that are pretty bleak, where you see really extreme levels of American poverty, uh, many abandoned houses that you don't know if they're abandoned, that you don't know if there are people living in them. You can't quite tell. But there's some heavy places. You know, there are towns that you drive through where everything is pretty boarded up. Um, so... Yeah, especially with the weather, it was a cool day. It was overcast. The sun never really came out. Um, the wind was heavy. And just the whole day kind of had a kind of heavy, spooky feeling to it. So we're kicking off the Halloween season. The last one, which was about Sleepy Hollow up in the Hudson River Valley, was the first in what I hope to be four um, with a Halloween theme. This is the second, and there's two more opportunities before Halloween to release episodes. I'm reaching out to other guests, and I'm hoping to keep it going all the way to Halloween. 
with the spooky. And with that, let me read to you one more cryptid that we didn't get to on the episode. I'm going to read from Les's book, West Virginia Cryptids. The Appalachian Mountains of West Virginia are no stranger to big cat encounters. The eastern mountain lion, now said to be extinct, once roamed the area in great numbers. Despite the proclamation of extinction by state officials, many West Virginia residents still claim to see them today, and these claims could very well be valid. Hey, stranger things have happened. For example, some believe that a creature resembling a mountain lion roamed and still roams the hills and valleys of the mountain state. That beast has become known as the Wampus Cat. The Wampus Cat's basic description mirrors a mountain lion's size, color, and other physical appearances. However, it possesses one apparent physical distinction that sets it apart from any normal mountain lion. That distinction being, it is said to have six legs. So, this question arises. Was there a mountain lion with a deformity seen sparking the Wampus Cat legend? Or is there more to this story? The answer to the latter part of this question may lie within Cherokee mythology. Cherokee lore suggests that the cat-like beast itself, along with its strange physical abnormality, is the byproduct of a curse cast by the tribal elders to punish a woman caught spying on a sacred ceremony. As she attempted to conceal herself with a mountain lion pelt, the curse transformed her into a half-woman, half-cat-like creature with yellow eyes. It is said that looking into its eyes can drive one to insanity. There are also stories that the beast can walk bipedally or on its four hind legs, leaving its front two legs to attack livestock or unsuspected human victims. Therefore, one can only deduce that the wampus cat is far more than an ordinary physical creature. We're, we're actually in Marion County. We're close to, uh, depending on which way you would go, we're close to the Mon County line or the Wetzel County line. Uh, we are... At Curtisville Lake, it's a man-made lake. Yeah, it's it's owned and maintained by the uh, Marion County Parks and Recreation, and it's open to the public to fish, camp. Uh, I mean, there's fees to, to camp though, but uh, but it's a well-maintained lake. It just outside of uh, Mannington, West Virginia, which is at one time was the seat for Marion County. It was going in, instead of Fairmont, it was actually going to be Mannington, but uh, it's a uh, it's a quaint little town. And whatnot. Yeah. And uh, like I was telling you before, today is like the perfect day to have this conversation because it's a little bit spooky out. Where I was, it was been raining for 24 hours straight. It's overcast. The sun hasn't really come out till just about now. It's like 20 degrees cooler than it has been mm -hmm. for weeks. So perfect day to have this conversation. So the reason I, how I found you is I reached out to, I guess, Fairmont University has a West Virginia Folk Life Center. Right. And I reached out and I asked for someone to talk about like folkloric creatures, cryptids. Mm -hmm. And um, I've never even really thought very much about cryptids. So I'm super pumped for you to just tell me all about this stuff. But um, how I got interested in this is um, I've got this great book called Virginia Folk Legends. Mm -hmm. And, you know, 
lots of, basically they went out in like the 1930s and 40s and just talked to rural people. Lots of cool stories about ghosts and treasure and, um, you know, like heroes and stuff like that. But then there's a whole chapter on spirit dogs. Mm -hmm. And I was like, whoa, that kind of surprised me. I'd never really heard that before. And they talk about like devil dogs and stuff like that. So I was like, wow, wouldn't it be cool to do a whole episode about like Appalachian creatures? So when I reached out to the Folklife Center, they said like, you're the guy for West Virginia folklore creatures. And, you know, basically I just want to hear all about that. So I guess, how could we start? I mean, do you want to just um, tell a little bit about like what kind of, what are the main ones in our area here? Um, I mean, as far as West Virginia, you have the the, the ones that are m- most notable, which mm-hmm. would be Mothman, right. the Flatwoods Monster, uh, the Grafton Monster, and, and things like that. But you, you mentioned the, the, uh, the, the devil dogs and, yes. and stuff like that. I mean, that's throughout Appalachia. I mean, we, okay. we, we also have here in West Virginia, we have what's called is the snarly yowl, um, which is basically, uh, a, a large black dog that, that is likened to the black shuck from England. Wow. Okay. Uh, I've just been looking into the black shuck. Yeah. It, it, yeah, it's, it, I, I don't know if that's something that has been brought over from, you know, through, uh, immigrants and stuff from England, but there there have been uh, sightings or stories of folks seeing this large black dog with red eyes, and uh, and some believe it's uh, as usual when you see these things is is, is a harbinger of death or yes. or misfortune or, or something like that. Um, we also have the devil dogs, which supposedly are well. We're just gonna have to keep talking. But yeah, I guess we've got these rock trucks, these yeah. trucks that are, these these are from mines? Uh, they're probably going to a, uh, to a well pad. Okay. Um, but yeah, we have the, uh, we have devil dogs, which basically is kind of what they sound like. You know, it, it's, it's a dog that's, that has ascended from hell to take oh souls back and, oh and, and things like that. And I find that interesting because that goes into like Greek mythology. Because there's um, Cerberus, who is the three-headed dog that guards the underworld. Right. And then there's all these folk, not not folklore, mythology about like hellhounds. And um, wow, I think that's, I think it's so neat when the mythology becomes more into folktales, like mm-hmm. hyper-local. Um, so what did you say the name of it was? Uh, they call me the devil dogs or hell dogs. Yeah, but you said like black yowl? The, the snarly yowl. Snarly yowl? Yeah. So cool. Yeah. And that is that this area? Within West Virginia, more okay. just Appalachia in general, um, it gets its name basically from. They say it's it has a mouthful of teeth that it's like this. Uh, I guess you would say a giant grin, whatever. How the dog, how dogs will bear their teeth, mm. and makes this yowling sound when it's when it's nearby. And I heard that a, a bunch of the themes with the devil dogs is that they're huge. Mm-hmm. And you said black, and then they always say they got these like saucer size eyes mm-hmm. and like red. Yep. Do you know anyone that says they've seen this thing? Uh, no, I seen something, myself in general, I seen something as a kid that I didn't know what it was, but I could, it could have been, I don't know. Uh, we, were, we were traveling from home to my grandmother's. It was late at night. And we were coming up this, you know, two, Route 218, 
And I was, I was around for 13 years old, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. And we went by and I could see this dog, like large black dog along the road and it looked like it was eating an old deer carcass or something. Mm. And as we drove by, I, I turned and looked and this thing like looked up at me and I, I can't say it had red eyes, but it may have been like the reflection of the mm. the taillights from my dad's car. But uh, <laughs> it, it I, there was a red glow. I, I don't know if that's what it was, but you know, later in life I, I learned about the snarly owl, and I'm like, man, I love the name. Yeah. I, I, that's something I want to talk about with you. It's just these super cool names for all of these creatures. Um, but before we get away from the spirit dogs, yeah, I've I haven't told this story on the podcast, but so where I live, we live in like a, we. Um, we rent a cabin on our a landlady's like 300 acres mm-hmm. and we can walk from our house, from the door to the Appalachian trail, which nice. is super cool. So, you know, I go for walks all the time to get exercise, but um, yeah, I went up in to the Appalachian trail and there's a big meadow up there and middle of the day and no one around. And I stopped to, to pee. And as I'm standing there, I hear this like, <laughs> and I thought a hiker dog was coming up behind me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I finish and like turn around and there's just nothing around. And I was like, that is so weird. So yeah. it made me think about the whole idea of spirit dogs. You know, I'm, I, well, I don't know how I feel about cryptids cause I don't have my own experiences. Right. When it comes to like ghosts, I have so many experiences that that I really do believe is something. Whereas I don't have personal experience with cryptids yet. So I just, like what we're going to hear from you, I just think it's super interesting, but I don't have any like real connection to. But yeah, hearing that that sound of that, the breathing dog, um, later on we found in that field, there is the foundation of a ho- old homestead. So mm-hmm. I wondered if like some old homesteader, you know, had a pack of dogs in their yard and maybe it was a spirit dog. Yeah. Hell, awesome. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, cool. Well, Okay, you brought up some other ones. So you brought up, I mean, we can't possibly have this conversation without talking about Mothman, right? Right. You have to. I've been there. I went, I've been to the Mothman Museum mm-hmm. and they recreated that bridge, right? Uh, the, there was a collapse, right? There yeah, was a the, bridge. Silver, the silver bridge. They yeah. made another one or something, no? Mm, no, there's, okay. there's no bridge. Not, not where it was at, no. Oh, okay. No. But I know the general area. Yeah. Um, okay, let's hear a little bit about Mothman. Uh, between 66 and 67, you know, there was a 13-month period where uh, this flying creature was seen you know, throughout the area. Uh, the most notable was when the scarberries and the mallets, or mallets, or I forget how you pronounce it exactly, uh, they were at in the TNT area. They, 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 it's uh, an area where it used to be in, in a, a munitions area where they made you know, for the World War II, uh, oh, okay. you know, error, and, uh, and it stored it. And they were in that area. Like and, dynamite? Uh, the explosive. Well, they called it the TT area. There was just, yeah, I, I don't know what all they made there, but okay, there, was, okay. there was things like that made and stored. Because and there's these bunkers, they're, they're igloos. They, they could call them igloos. They're, if you ever go up there, you can go to the McClintock Wildlife Management Area and you can tour some of those bunkers. It's uh, hmm. these massive domes that's now completely covered by vegetation except for like a couple of them, the doorways you can get in and and so it's so cool and yeah it's, it's so crazy when you're inside of them the echo inside mm. of them is like wild but uh they were there near that area and they seen this thing that that they described as a 
flying humanoid, and hmm. as they headed, you know, tried to get away from it, from the area, it supposedly chased him uh, over the top of their car up to speeds up to 100 miles an hour, they said. Hmm. Uh, then it was later, then throughout that 13-month period, it was seen several times uh, in, in town, outside the, you know, the munitions area near the power plant area. Uh, John Keel actually showed up and done a lot of investigations there, uh, which eventually led to, you know, writing a book, The Mothman Prophecies. Mm -hmm, which became a famous movie. Which became a movie. Um, I remember seeing that as a teenager and it scared me to death. Well, I might've seen it when I was like 12 or something. Yeah. It, it, it draws on it, but it's, it doesn't all of it. I okay. mean, it, it, uh, but it's, it, it's re really well done, uh, in my opinion, some people, you know, didn't think so, but I thought mm -hmm. it was. Um, but yeah, it and over the years, over those, or not years, over those months, it was seen several times. And then uh, I think it was December fifteenth, if I'm if I'm thinking right, nineteen sixty seven is when the Silver Bridge uh, collapsed. It killed forty six people, mm. and a lot of people believe that that's it was the ending to Mothman because that he was basically a harbinger to, to some kind of doom. You know, so. Mm. so, yeah, so I guess the legend is there were these sightings of this weird creature and then there was this big, um, what's the right word, a catastrophe. Yeah. And that this this creature was signaling that catastrophe. That's what, that's what a lot of people say. Yes. And then no one has ever seen anything about it ever since? Oh, no, there's been other sightings oh, okay. th uh, throughout the years. Um, uh not necessarily around Point Pleasant, but there have been uh, there's been some sightings that I've collected here in West Virginia that's similar, but may not you know it fits that bill a little bit you know as Mothman, but may hmm. be something different. Uh, now, what happened to the bridge? It it, it one uh, the thirteenth eye of, of of a certain they call it. That's what another part of the lore is that it was because of the thirteenth eye. Thirteen, yeah. It uh, there was a small crack, mm. and the act that little crack was enough to set, you know, the domino effect, and the mm. whole bridge collapsed. Oh it, my god! It all fell in the river. Cars and it was uh, it was right before Christmas. I think it was December fifteenth, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, yeah, there's forty six people uh, lost their lives there. How strange! So what do people what do people think that the Mothman was? Some people. There was even stories that people said oh, I was just a giant bird. Hmm. Uh, you know, he, there was one I forget the guy's name, but there was a guy that that's what he swore he saw was just a giant bird. Hmm. Uh, then you have skeptics that come in and said no, it was just a mistake, you know, mistaken identity hmm. or misidentified sandhill crane because hmm. uh, you know the red around the sandhill crane's eyes oh, is why people thought it had red eyes and stuff like that, which. Can, is understandable, especially in a time of fear when somebody's afraid. But when you have a sandhill crane, which I've done research, that generally doesn't get above like four feet tall mm. and may have a wingspan like six six feet, mm. seven feet or something like that, um, is, a, is, is a drastic contrast from something that's seven foot tall, man-like with wingspan, of tw you know, 10, 12, 15 feet or whatever they, they, they claimed it was. Now, because I know so little about all this stuff, I'm sure I might say some things that you've already heard a million times or something, but um, I'll just say whatever comes up. But um, now, does anyone think maybe it was just like a visionary experience, like a vision? Um, you know what I mean? 
like it's not real. It wasn't actually something there, but like, you know, like a biblical vision that people were seeing this, like you said, an omen of doom. Yeah. Uh, I could see that. Some people may believe that, but there were so many sightings, mm. you know, that, that the people swore that there was, it, you know, it was a physical, it was a being of mm. some sort. I mean, the original, the original sighting didn't happen in Point Pleasant. It was actually a few days earlier. Mm. The, for those first the first first sighting, it was in Glendennan, West Virginia. There was some uh, uh, some cemetery workers. I think there was like three or four of them saw this humanoid brown flying creature mm. fly across the cemetery as they were as they were digging a grave. And then mm. a few few days later is when you get your more notable sighting in Point Pleasant. So I talk about this on every single episode, but I'm really into this uh, psychologist called Carl Jung. Mm -hmm. And he has this idea about the collective unconscious, mm -hmm. which means like, um, you know, mytho in mythology that from all around the world, like every mythology has the same stories of mm -hmm. a flood, right. you know? So like different cultures or different people are like channeling the same thing. So to mm -hmm. me, I just kind of wonder, maybe a whole bunch of people collectively in the community are are feeling this coming catastrophe and they're having these visions. Who knows? Which which leads into what they call topas. Huh? Topas. Okay, what's that? Uh, basically, that's a. I don't. I don't want to say being, but some kind of manifestation. Whether it's a being, whether it's a spirit, whether it's uh, you know some kind of creature or whatever, that is like it's manifested from people's thoughts. Uh, a collection of people's thoughts, or you know, in oh, a certain area. Or, or I've never heard that. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Is that regional or is that no, like world that's, that's, mythology or yeah. something? Wow. Interesting. Um, let's see. Yeah, I'm sorry. I remember what I was going to say. I'm still a little tired from driving this morning and then from um, having a new puppy. It's yeah. a, a little exhausting. But what I was going to say is what's interesting is I feel like with the cryptid stuff that um, I guess we haven't even really said that you go out and you talk to actual locals and yeah. you do your own investigations, which we're going to hear about because mm -hmm. that's super interesting. But I feel like with the cryptid stuff, um, you know, sometimes the way that it's depicted in movies or on TV, it can become kind of like cheesy. Mm -hmm. Like it's like a little silly almost. But then I think like if you were working in that grave, grave site, mm -hmm. in that um, cemetery, and if you actually saw one of these things, I can't imagine anything scarier. Yeah. Like, you know, like when you see it in some dumb PG-13 Hollywood movie, it's like, oh, okay, some monster. But if you actually were out in the woods by yourself and you saw something unexplainable like that, I mean, I can't even imagine how terrifying that is. Yeah. I mean, do you find when you go and interview people that their experiences have really rattled them? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, well, we'll just stick with the Mothman subject. Um, I I don't know for sure what, what this gentleman's seen was was Mothman or whatnot. This is someone you went to talk to? Yeah. Okay. But this actually happened like four to five years prior to, to the Point Pleasant. And uh, it was actually in Harrison County, which is the next county over, you know, outside of uh, like Fairmont. You go up to, you know, if you go south, it's, it's Clarksburg area, which is, you know, Harrison County. Mm -hmm. Uh I talked to this older gentleman, which sadly he's passed away now. But uh, he well, that's uh, awesome. You got his story. Yeah, and uh, I'll paraphrase a little bit because it was a rather long interview. And and but he told me when he was because he was he was born in 1948, so it was it had to be he said like 13 or 14 years old. So it was like 62, you know, somewhere in that 
that neighborhood. Uh, he remembers that uh, they had a pony that, they, that his name was Rusty. They kept this this pony tied up in the backyard, you know, because they had like a little farmhouse, and the pony was always tied up out out in the backyard or you know within the small fenced area. But they they'd bring it in. You know, those, those days they'd let him, eat, you know, keep keep the grass down in the backyard mm-hmm, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, they started noticing it late at night that he he wouldn't raise all kind of there's all kind of hell. And they thought, okay, maybe there's a bear coming around. Mm. So him and his brother, you know, talked to the neighbor, said, hey, you know, have you seen any bear or anything like that? And they, I guess they talked to a couple other neighbors up the road, and they had they had uh, some chickens and stuff come up missing, you know, mm. but whether that was related to it or not. Uh, so they, they decided that uh, they're going to stay up one night, see if it uh, – See if it, the the pony does the same same thing, and so they did, and they started hearing the pony just making all kind of ruckus. Their their, their dad would had had passed away by then, so it was just them and their mom. So mom was, I guess, in in bed and whatever whatnot. So him being like twelve or thirteen, and his brother was like three or four years older than he. So they were they were waiting, and the pony started making making ruckus. So now are these guys? Do they got their you know dad's rifle? Uh, they had shot his brother grabbed a shotgun 12 gauge shotgun and he grabs a flashlight that he'd won playing some kind of game at the local fair he told Hmm. me he said I remember that flashlight it was a one of the silver flashlights you know typical 60s era flashlights that looks like a rocket type deal but it had a button on it you can push it that that would flash the light or you could flash or turn it on and he said he grabbed it and his brother grabbed the shotgun and as they were heading out the door his sister's like, I'm going with you. And he, they were like, no, you stay here, you stay here. And they're like, no, I'm going with you. And uh, so they went out. And, well, let me back up a little bit because there's mm-hmm. a couple things I forgot. I forgot since. But when they talked to the neighbors, the neighbor, they uh, they noticed along the creek that there's these odd tracks. They said there mm. was a, almost like a three-toed-looking track mm. with a drag mark behind it, mm. like it was dragging something. And so they asked the neighbor again, did anybody has anybody been messing around? You mean shed? like a tail or something? They said it looked like something that was dragging a, a chain. Whoa! That, that, that's the best he could describe. Like it was dragging a chain. And he asked his neighbor. He said, "Hey, you know, did you have any chains come up missing? Is anybody messing around in your building?" He said, "His neighbor said he he said his neighbor got kind of upset. Like there better not been. They walk over his building, and he said, "No, all my chains are here." And so. Then they decided they're going to, you know, wait for the pony. That you know, later that night or the day after, I forget which one it was. But anyway, they heard the noise. They go outside, and there's a small creek. You, you walk in the backyard because I went to the location. There's a small, there's a backyard. There's a small creek in the bank. You know, like typically what you see here. There's a hillside, and yeah, like in a holler, uh, the house with the creek in the backyard. Well, yeah, it was a small run. It wasn't very wide. I mean, there was a small. It was a small community. Just mm. a few houses, like not very many. But there was that small run, and they crossed it and started up the bank. And as they're going up, they can, he, they start hearing this, and then their sister's with them. They start hearing this crashing, like something coming down through the woods. Like they tell something was coming. And he said he remembers telling his brother, hey, there's something coming. There's something in the woods. And he, he took his flashlight, he told me, and he shines it up the bank. You know, a fairly steep bank, I guess. And he said... When he did, he caught something moving, and it didn't necessarily walk. 
he said it kind of waddled back and forth coming down the hill. And then when he put the light up, he seen these big red eyes. And that, I said, what'd you do when you, when you seen that? He said, uh, I yelled at my brother. You know, he said, my sister's beside me, my brother's on the other side. He said, I yelled at my brother, shoot it, shoot that son of a bitch, shoot it. And that's when he knows his brother wasn't there anymore. His brother had turned and ran, and his oh sister, his sister fainted. She fell straight on the flat on the you know right there beside him. He grabbed her and basically picked her up and drug her down the hill, and ran across the creek. And uh, and I asked him, you know, when he, when I talked to him, this had been probably five years ago. And so you're now just to. Just for me to know what we're we're talking about exactly. Now he's an old man. Yeah, he's he in was, his seventies. You're yeah, saying so. he's in his seventies. Okay. And I asked him what he thought it was. And he said, "I have no idea." And I, I said, "Do you know what Bigfoot is?" He said, "Yeah." He said, "I've seen the Patterson Gimlin film. That's not what I saw. Hmm. This thing had a dome shape, like the head was a dome shape, come down, set on the shoulders. Why it was wide and had these red eyes as probably he said the size of reflectors along you see along the driveway yep yep i know what you mean that's what he described he said they were probably about anywhere from eight to ten, eight to ten inches apart and he said i and it, he said it was the brownish gray in color which if you listen to some of the original mothman accounts that they you know they talk about it waddling instead of walking you talk about mm-hmm. the bright the gray or dark color or, or brown and i asked him i said well do you know what mothman is and he said, I have no idea. He said, I've never heard of it. Mm-hmm. So I showed him a couple older artist representations mm-hmm. of, and to him, that's what he saw. Wow. And like I said. What, so you showed him the images and what did he do? What did he say? He's like, I, yeah, that, I'm, he said, I'm not 100% certain. He said, but that could have been it. He okay. Said, yeah. But uh, as far as the, the drag mark, I don't know. And it always made me wonder if it, if it, Got caught in someone's trap. It was dragging a, yeah, a trap. Whether it was dragging a, <laughs> a chain, whether it was trotting a trap, or you know, is was Mothman some kind of weird experiment like some people claim to have? Okay, and it's maybe it escaped from somewhere. And it's, okay, it's this dra- is what I, I want to talk about. This, <laughs> yeah, I want to talk about this. So, well, first of all, to me, it's so cool that you go out and talk to people because I mean that makes you a folklorist. If you go around talk, getting people's stories, you're yeah. a folklorist. So that is just so cool. And I, I hope to hear more of other people's stories and maybe some of your own. But to get into this idea of a weird experiment, mm-hmm. me and my girl, so, you know, in preparation for today, you know, I, like I said, I haven't really thought that much about cryptids in my life, but but I was thinking about some different possibilities for what cryptids could be. I've heard some ideas that maybe it's some weird experiment. Right. And, you know, that sounds a little ridiculous, but then I'm looking at stuff from the news recently. And I even pulled it up on my phone. Like this week, some small um, startup company mm-hmm. called like Colossal is just got $15 million to bring back woolly mammoths. Right. So what is that? Clearly there's some extreme levels of technology right. that I don't understand. And then like there was, I found other news articles that recently in Japan, they've started to experiment on human and apes right and this is real and this is what we the people the masses are allowed to know about Mm -hmm. so who's to say in the 60s they weren't doing weird experiments and something got out or something was purposely released to see how it what it would do last night when i couldn't sleep you know thinking about stuff like experiments 
I was I had remembered in college when we were learning about World War II, mm-hmm. I bought a book called Unit 751, right. which is this is real history. It's all you know, you can go and Google this and see it on Wikipedia. There in Japan, they it's so awful to read about that, you know, it almost will like break your soul to read about it. But they were doing experiments on people where they would remove limbs, mm-hmm. they would remove organs and reattach them in weird orders. Right. And that's like I mean that's real. So yeah. who knows what kind of whacked out experiments have been done? Well, there's there's been a lot of experiments that, that were done, you know, during the Hitler times. Uh, hey, oh, and yeah. then, of course, the yeah. Nazis were the doing Nazis, wacky shit. Yeah. Uh, the one, I forget what doctor, uh, what was the name, doctor's name. But anyway, they they took a, a German shepherd and... No, no. Yeah, and they attached another head to this, you know, in conjunction with the head already on the, the German shepherd and... That head lived for several days. No. Uh, things like that, you know. Another dog's head? Yeah, basically. So they, like we were saying in the beginning, they made Cerberus, yeah. the mythological thing. And you know the Nazis were super into occult stuff. Yeah, yeah. There's, doc, there's like History Channel documentaries about how they would yeah. have these occult castles where they would be doing like black magic stuff. Yeah, I, and I guess they were, you know, Hitler was really into the, the chimeras and stuff like that. You know, the the... You know the joining of an animal and human oh at the God. same time. You know, yeah. Like so I, one of his close, um, his, his close confidants, his name is Himmler. Mm-hmm. Himmler was the guy who was really into mythology and the occult yeah. and weird stuff. Um, oh my God, man! So yeah, so I guess there are these theories that some of yeah. these creatures might just be some whacked out experiment. Yeah. My God, <laughs> I mean that is so disturbing. Yeah. And then I guess the idea is that it got out or it was released on purpose or what? Who knows? Yeah. I mean, that, that's some theories. I, I'm not sure. And then you, I know, like, it, it seems to be a, a similar, in the similar vein with Mothman, is um, you, d- you did a little YouTube video on it. It was a creature that was seen crossing a road and had no head. Oh, that that's the Grafton Monster. Okay. That was in uh, uh, 1964 in Grafton. West Virginia, which is in uh, Taylor County, mm. or Tyler County, Taylor, Taylor. Mm. And a local journalist was coming, was uh, on his way home late in the evening, and he was coming along, trying to remember what the name of the road is right now, but they call it River Run, River Road. It runs right along the, the Taggart River. And he was coming home and seeing this hulk of a mass, or however he described it, Standing on along the road, or, or in the either in the middle of the road or along the road, I can't remember which. And as he came up, and well, no, it was long road because he. I remember he said he accelerated to a high rate of speed to get past it, and he describes it as this hawking creature, uh, silver to white seal-like skin and no head, mm. like it didn't have a head. Went across or like off the road down the bank into the river. Uh, he later come back with a couple friends. They they uh, investigated the area. They they didn't find any tracks or anything, but they did find where there was a area where the grass had been Matted mashed down. down toward the river, and they kept hearing strange whistling noises coming from the river. Well, that led him into writing a small article in the paper, and then that turned into just a basic mon- frenzy monster hunt. There were there were people from all over uh, coming to the town. 
cars lined up along the river, teenagers, you know, with pitchforks, your, your typical incredible, yeah, you know, monster hunt with pitchforks and rifles and, and all kind of stuff looking for this monster over a certain amount of certain amount of days. But uh, he uh, he wrote that article, and then the uh, editor of the newspaper basically recanted it and said that it was just you know he was crazy about it you know didn't see anything and and that's when uh gray barker which if if you know anything about ufo ufology or, or cryptids anything that's in west virginia was strange gray mm -hmm. barker was involved he, even mothman with john keel gray barker was involved uh he contacted J gray barker or or gray barker might contact him i can't remember which way it is and gray barker interviewed him about what he saw and his story, you know, stayed the same the whole time, and and I've always wondered where th that fellow went. His name is Robert Cockerell, and, and as far as I I can tell, he should still be alive. You know, hmm. uh, there's I've been told that he's somewhere in Morgantown, but won't talk about it. Hmm. I really would like to talk to him, but I've looked into the Gray Barker files and seen correspondence between him and him and Gray, and talking about the creature and, and hmm. everything. So, yeah, I watched a little YouTube video where you were talking about this, and like you were just saying, the part I found the most interesting is this, like, monster hunt. Yeah. And it, like, made me think of, you know, being a little kid watching Beauty and the Beast, the Disney, where they're all with their pitchforks going out, you know? Incredible. Yeah. You've written this little um, small booklet called West Virginia Cryptids, mm -hmm. and in it, um, each page is a creature and then an illustration. Mm -hmm. So let's go through, because we've already started, let's go through some more of these creatures. I know on the phone, you told me about this incredible, like, snapping turtle creature. Yeah, it's, uh, it, they call it the Ogua. Uh, I believe that's how it's pronounced. It's O-G-U-A. Uh, it supposedly is a, a large turtle that's been seen in the Monongahela River, spanning from, you know, Fairmont, where, where the river starts. There's a con the convergence of the West Fork and the Taggart River clear to pittsburgh uh supposedly this this turtle has been seen you know all up and down that river um it's a it can, it's described as a large snapping turtle with two heads uh and a tail up to like 10 or 15 feet long this is the tail yeah just the tail mm. um so the actual creature is just enormous yeah they it's been described as the body the body being the size of a cow okay with with a large tail and two heads um uh, and th you said that this might be like a Native American legend. Yeah, it's, uh, it it basically was started by the Native Americans. Um, it, it, what you, if you read into it, uh, some people believe that the, it was started to keep white settlers away from certain areas. Oh, uh, that's super interesting. Yeah, and there others believe that it was it's it's got a little bit of you know reality in in. In a story, because some people believe that maybe it was an oversized alligator snapper, which we yep. don't we don't have here. Right, we have right. down south, uh, and other people believe that uh, somehow a alligator from south the southern part had made its way up through the river rivers and, and into the the Mon River and and, and stuff like that. Uh, I don't believe that's possible either because the, where, where the, the rivers run from the, this it, one this one seems like for sure real like yeah. a really really big you know there's two-headed yeah. snakes yeah. that yeah. are born that way so this like this one seems like this is without a doubt i i really you know some big 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 yeah. snapping turtle yeah and 
I mean, there, then there, there's been turtles that, that, you know, have been born with two heads or, mm, and whatnot. Okay, interesting. Um, but the the story goes, the legend goes that uh, it it would lay along the banks, mm. and as as deer would come along, it would pu- it would jump up and take the deer uh, into the water and take it. Never it wouldn't, wouldn't eat it. They said it would actually drag it to a lair and keep it there until later. Uh, then other stories, it says it comes onto the bank and lies, you know, near you know game trails and stuff and, and as any animal comes by it, w- it would grab it and, and same thing take it to the um down to the uh to the river and in the in 1740s there's actually a story about and i'm trying to remember the name of the family but there was a there was a story from the reesville area in uh what they call what's actually across the river it's called holt town uh so it, it eventually got another name called the Holtown Monster. So what started that is in the 1740s, there was a 12 or 13-year-old boy out with a fa- his family, and supposedly this thing came out of the water, grabbed the boy, drug him into the water, and after you know a search for this family, trying to find him or, or get him out of the water, he was never found again. This is my favorite one. This is my favorite cryptid thus far. Sweet. Man, that is neat. Um, have you met anyone that... I mean, so... What's interesting is some of these legends are super old mm-hmm. and then some of them are super modern, like yeah. Mothman or like, you know. So have you met anyone living today who has, however you pronounce that name of the snapping turtle creature? No, I haven't met anybody that, that has seen it, but there is a, there's an old story from the 80s, I believe it was, that two fishermen in that area saw something come up to the bank and they they dubbed it the Reesville River Monster. Mm-hmm. It was as huge and with something like a serpentine tail. So I'm not sure you know, <laughs> yeah. where those where those guys actually seen something knew the legend. Uh I don't know who they were. I mean it's 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 in a a book. There's a couple books that talk about it and uh, newspaper articles and stuff like that. Okay, so I've got a, again I was telling you last night I was thinking all about this topic. And an idea that came to me that I think I've heard on a, um, another folklore, a folklore podcast. So I um, watched your YouTube interview. Uh, you talked about it in a podcast, and I think you also talked about it on YouTube um, about, uh, I think, a trucker who saw this, like, giant hyena thing. Oh, yeah. So that, yeah. before you get into that, so because we're talking about, like, giant creatures, like giant snapping turtles— it seems as though in folklore from all over the world are people are seeing these like giant mm-hmm. animals and it it seems like a lot of them are creatures that did exist in the past. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering and this idea is not unique to me. I'm wondering if people are like this guy who saw these giant hyena things, you know, we used to have there were lions in America. There were saber-toothed cats in America. There were giant wolves, giant bears, mm. giant sloths. Like, I wonder if sometimes people are having some weird experience where, like, time is like folding, and you're seeing, and you're seeing something that happened in that place from like a hundred thousand years ago. Yeah. yeah, I. That was one of my first thoughts when when that guy contacted. Interesting. Uh, whether he was seeing some, you know. Energy left over, like some people believe spirits are. You know, that, they, you yes, know, with uh, ghosts, something which, like that. Which uh, the, the stone tape theory, I don't know if you know what that is. I do um, not. 
it's basically where an area, the materials in the area, or, or maybe the materials in a building or location uh, kind of holds that energy like a tape recorder. And, Incredible. And as certain, as certain uh, when situations come or, or the, the conditions are right, it'll release it and plays it back. Incredible. So I, I kind of thought that at first. Uh, but at first I thought maybe he was seeing – well, uh, that was that was my actually my second thought. At first, when he started describing it to me, I thought. Well, tell the story. Okay, um, he was he was he's a garbage truck driver in Tucker County, and he was coming from an area called Harmon, going to the Tucker County landfill, which is near uh, Thomas and Davis, West Virginia, which is right outside of Blackwater Falls. Oh, I've been there. And, Incredible, and those woods are thick. Yeah, because it's all the evergreens. So he was traveling through the Canaan Valley area. Yep, yep, and he would do three trips a day back and forth on his third trip he was coming back there's there's a grove of pine trees that run like almost i'd say not quite a 45 degree angle off the highway back in and into this huge field and he's seen the this thing running up the uh through the field at first he you know was thinking it's a deer so he starts to slow down you know, because in here in West Virginia, you see one deer, usually two or three other ones there to follow. And that's when he noticed, you know, this is too big for a deer. And he, he starts to slow down. And by the time he comes to almost a complete stop, that thing had traveled twice the distance that he has and come over the bank right in front of his truck. And that's when he noticed there was a dead deer. He said there was a dead deer laying along the edge of the road. His things come over the bank, stopped, grabbed that deer in its mouth, picked it up and didn't drag it picked it up and took it and carried it across the road and up over the hill and uh then w- was gone well that's like what tigers can do you yeah know? and he i said well what did it look like and he's like you're gonna think i'm crazy he said but it looked like at first he said the only thing i can describe it as is a giant hyena he said but it had a ma- it had the, sn- the snout was huge and long there were so many teeth in its mouth that, it's, that it couldn't even close its mouth basically it didn't look like it closed its mouth, and it the call it was larger in the front, stout, you know, almost like a bull. You know, I don't want to say bulldog, but that yep, bigger, yep. longer front saying. legs and, and shorter back legs, and and had a tan light collar with spots. And the, then when he when he told me that, the, the, my first thought was he's he's seen a wild wild boar, mm. a big wild boar, which you know, I showed and you. Do you have them here? Uh, there are stories, I and mean, we have wild pigs here, but I'm mm. not that the one he described typically is what you see, like in the southern part of the United States, like mm-hmm. Texas and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So, I showed him pictures of those, and he's like, No, that's not what it was. And he, he said, I need, and he said, You need to talk to my girlfriend. And she told me she was in the truck with him. No, he told her what he saw, okay. And she had, she, well, I actually talked to her on the phone. And then we met and, and, and stuff. But he told me at the time, you know, where was that? Talked to my girlfriend. And she told me that she had contacted somebody in Texas that was a cryptozoologist. And he mentioned some kind of prehistoric animal. And when she she mentioned it, it I mean, I remember seeing this animal before in books and whatever. And it, it's a... Uh, I think it's called Andrewsaurus or something like that. It's a weird-looking creature. It's like not a – I guess you wouldn't call it a canine, but it's uh, 
Oh my yeah, god! Yeah, and it and he's they seen the pictures and he's like, that's what I saw. Oh my god! He's like, so this is exactly what I just was bringing up. Yeah, he's like, that's exactly what I seen. And uh, he said, you can't change my mind. Nobody's gonna change my mind. He said, I don't care what anybody thinks, but that's what I seen. I believe that. And uh, wow. So I'm I'm interviewing him and I'm asking him. I was like, okay. Which then it starts going to maybe he's seen a replay of something. You know, that's what I'm thinking. So I asked him, I was like, what in your mind? I mean, I said, are you sure you didn't mistake something? He said, no. I said, what in your mind has concreted in your mind that you saw what you saw? You know, absolutely, you were seeing a physical thing. And that's when he told me, he said, when I started back down the road, he said, and he showed me where it was at, which is about 1,500 feet away. He said, that's when I seen another one run across the road. So he, he swears he saw two of them within within a quarter mile period or quarter mile stretch. Uh, I, I I asked him if I could post it, you know, to see if anybody else has seen anything in that area. I did get a response from two different people. One lady said she's seen something that she called she was calling a giant hyena, <sighs> and I asked her uh, where where it was at, and you know, relation to where he had his sighting, and she says not more than five hundred yards. Incredible. And it was within like a month or so or what, something like that. How did you find this guy? Uh, he con- They contacted me. Oh, through your Facebook? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So do you think it was this like recorder energy? If it is, he, he it had to be some kind of... It's like a scene playing out. Yeah, like a, like a time loop or time, not slip, but or whatever you want to call it, if he's seen a second one. Or, you know, or is that area one of these like... I mean, yeah, because this, I guess this theory, like you said, people talk about it with ghosts, yeah. is that looping. Like, you know, you show up in this place on this date at this yeah. time and you see the same thing. This figure walks from here to there. Yeah. I mean, I had a friend who was very sensitive to ghost stuff in college and he lived in Richmond, Virginia, which is extremely haunted. And he would talk about being out at night by himself and just like seeing a ghost figure just sitting on a bench. Yeah. And it's like this idea of things looping yeah really fascinating i mean if you know yeah if we if we humans have figured out how to record how to stop time and record time with photographs and with video it's like who's to say there's not some energy like electricity that can can record time yeah well i mean that and like i said you got the stone tape theory where things maybe absorb that energy and then you got the string theory what's that Basically, people. Some people believe that all time, instead of it running, it's just a big ball. Right. So when when so certain, I guess that's what I was certain saying. part you know, time types, folding time, on fall, itself, you know, touching each other, wow. in a, in a, you know, weaving and <laughs> opening up, and uh, what you think are, are ghosts may not be ghosts at all. You know? Wow. I'm glad you know about all this stuff. This is so cool. Um, wow. What a neat experience. So I guess. Um, so is that mainly how people find you through your Facebook? Is yeah. that how you do your interviews? Yeah. Okay, so they reach out to you because mm-hmm. you're like the West Virginia guy? I, would, I don't know. I wouldn't <laughs> say that. There's, 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 there's others. I oh, know really? several. Okay. Yeah. But then, um, so then you drive out and, and just talk to people. Yeah, or I meet them like, like we do here, meet them somewhere. and just, Incredible. You know, or uh, if they don't like, don't want to do that uh, they can email me. I'll talk to them on the phone. I've talked to people on the phone for hours. and Really? Uh, just and part of that's not even has nothing to do with what they've seen or done. It's just building that rapport and talking to them. Okay. And, uh, 
or uh, you know, like I said, back through emails, you know, Facebook you know, and things like that. And do you find it to be like all types of people who call you up? Yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah I've had a lot of different people call me. Um, what's the craziest thing someone has told you? Um, I mean that that they would be okay, comfortable with you saying publicly. It, there was there would be probably two. Okay. Uh, one I, I can't remember the area that the that the the one took place in right offhand, but it was uh, a lady contacted me said that her I th- think it was her sister in law or something like that. There was two two ladies and her brother or boyfriend. There there was a relationship somewhere there. I just can't remember exactly what. They were coming along this uh, dirt road and they seen what they thought was a deer coming up along the bank, which you know, like that's nothing unusual here. Mm-hmm. It jumped across the road. The 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 driver, which was the, the, the boyfriend, whatever or whichever it was, he's the one that like paying attention to the road. So he did. He seen the deer cross the road, but he didn't see every you know aspect of the whole the thing that crosses the road, or the not aspects, but you know what I mean. Um, as they went by, the two girls looked out the back window to look at the deer. Mm-hmm. That's when they both noticed that the deer, it was a body of a deer, but the head was more like a human. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, oh, my and God. And then I was like, well, that's interesting. <laughs> and then I started learning about what people were seeing that, they, that they've seen along, what you are talking about the Appalachian Trail earlier, uh, these things that the creatures are seeing that's similar to deer, but they're, they're called not deer. You look it up when you get a chance. N O T deer, not, not deer, and I guess it's deer that have physical features of the other, like human or. But uh, I'm can not sure. you imagine seeing yeah. that? Like yeah. if you're by yourself and you saw that, I mean, I'd have a heart attack. Yeah, I mean, especially because I do hunting and stuff. Like if I saw, you know, out hunting by myself in the national forest, and I and I see a deer with a human head. Yeah, I guess it's become a, a pretty interesting phenomenon across the United States. Not uh, deer. Yeah, it's huh. called not deer. Yeah. Wow. I, I just heard learned of it recently. So. Wow, peculiar. And you um, said the second one. Um, let me think. I can. Which one do you want? To, I mean, which would you rather hear about a bloody man, or would you rather hear about a transforming Bigfoot? Which one would you rather hear about? A transforming Bigfoot. Well, you're gonna talk about Bigfoot okay. anyways. Okay. So let's do the bloody man. Okay. Uh, here in Marion County, there's a little town just straight outside of uh, where we're at, or just a few miles from where we're at, and it's called uh, it's called Worthington. And in between Worthington and there's a road that leads into another little town called Four States. Well, on that road, uh, this guy from it was back in the '60s or something like that. I, I forget what year it was, but he he uh, said he was a member riding in the car with his mom and dad. And they were coming up the road, and his dad slams on the brakes, puts his hand over like this, you know, to cover his mom's face mm. in the passenger seat. And his dad's like, "Don't look, don't look." And at the time, his mom was pregnant with the youngest, the youngest child. Well, he was curious, so he looks, leans over, and looks up between the seats out the windshield, out out, out through the windshield. And what he describes seeing is a bloody red dog on the bank. Like it was, like had no skin, just blood, oh shiny, blood red. God, like you know, like you could see his muscle fiber and stuff like that. And it jumps off the bank, hits the road. By the time it hits the road, it's it's a full blown man, like a bloody man with no, like almost no, like you said, almost no skin. He's like that, 
Like he'd been skinned, you could see the muscle and, and whatnot. And it took a couple steps and then jumped again up to the other bank. And when it did, it was back to a dog and ran up through the woods. This is that's one of my favorite ones. Yeah. This might be my favorite one. Yeah. Man, so does that have, is that just, no one else has talked about that? It's one person's experience? I, I've only talked to one person that's ever seen that. Yeah. Man. Oh, I like that one. These are so cool, man. Um, okay, well, we obviously have to get into Bigfoot. Okay. I don't personally know what I think about Bigfoot. I don't really have any opinion on it. It's obviously a lot of people are deep into yeah. it. So let's hear about Bigfoot in West Virginia. Well, wait, I'm, wait, wait, wait. Before that, I follow this awesome folk artist on Instagram. I think his name is Mike Owsley. Owsley. He's in uh, Kentucky. Mm -hmm. He paints a lot of um, haints and witches yeah. and... Uh, creatures he's got a painting that's called woolly booger yeah. is the woolly booger the same thing as bigfoot yeah it has many different names there's a woolly okay. booger the wood booger okay you know, I, yeah i saw a wood booger yeah. is uh specific to southern virginia where i am yeah a lot of down a lot of the southern states uh -huh. yeah well you also call it wood yeah. booger okay yeah, they even even like in the southern like louisiana you know really? arkansas they actually you know what we call spotlights they call them booger lights just what do you mean? Because of, for wood buggers, the spot, you know. No, the, you yeah. need a spotlight like on your car? Or, or, or on your house. They, so, no, yeah, they, <laughs> they call them booger lights like, to, to look at yeah. creatures in the yeah. woods? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> okay. Um, so, yeah. So, what's the deal with the woolly booger in West Virginia? Well, most of what we, we don't really call it woolly booger here. Okay. Uh, it's either, you know, a lot of people call it Bigfoot, old man of the woods. Old man of the woods? Yeah. Love that. Or, the stone, or the stone man. Stone man. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, and I listened to your interview with that. Um, I think he was a pretty young man who saw it camping. You put your this yeah. on uh, your YouTube. Yeah. Pretty weird. Yeah, that was, uh, that was in Braxton County. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but there's been sightings. Of something, you know, I, I'm, I'm still... Now, what do you think about it? I don't know. Yeah. See, I mean, that's, I'm, I think, the right I, answer. I don't I, know. I'm not, I'm not afraid to say I don't know. I'm, you know, you got these folks out there that are uh, self-proclaimed experts. Yeah, and then it, it's just so silly to me. Yeah. Like uh, how, you know, you can't be an expert to any great mystery. Yeah. And I, and I don't even, you know, even when people want to call me a researcher, I'm not a researcher because I feel for me to research something i'd have to have something or research a, a thing i'd have to have that something there to research you know i can't i don't go out i can't go out in the woods like jane goodall and and sit and watch bigfoot i mean because mm -hmm. I, I haven't found that i haven't i haven't seen them i haven't uh well i really respect your approach yeah but i'm what i consider myself isn't maybe you know maybe an investigator or, or what i really consider myself is a collector because mm. I want to collect those stories, you know. I want Folklorist. to, you know, hold them and and. But as I collect those stories, you can also you compare uh, one from another in a certain area, or one from another from here to, you know, maybe the Pacific Northwest, or or down in the Texas, or down in the you know Florida where it's skunk ape and, and or whatnot to see if there is a correlation or, or similarities between any of it. Uh, and you'll find that you'll find different, different aspects of, of these sightings that will, that will jive with another one, you know, and, and that was, that makes me what I consider would call myself a skeptic believer because 
somebody here in West Virginia mm-hmm. that's just a good old down home mm-hmm. folk from a holler in West Virginia may not know what somebody in it probably doesn't know what somebody in the Pacific Northwest has experienced. Mm-hmm. And then there's things that there's so many similarities. Like, and one of them will be like, like the the whole when some of these people say that they'll say they'll rock these things will rock back and forth well wait a second here let's take it back a step i don't know very much about bigfoot and maybe the listeners don't okay. so you're saying pacific northwest is that because that's like where the hub of bigfoot in america is that where all the people who talk about it and that's where the 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 focus of the, where where it got bigfoot. started okay, that's where okay. the first tracks come from from Jerry Crew in the fifties, okay. where they found the tracks. Uh, that's where stories from the Hoopa Indians come from. Mm. That's where the, uh, you know, whether it's Pacific Northwest or up, up in Alberta, you know, Canada. Yeah, there's supposedly I've heard mm. a um, huge amount of Native American legends about yeah. a Bigfoot creature. Yeah. And I just did an interview on the Chesapeake Bay with a guy who is um, from the Nanticoke tribe, mm. and he is um, really into um, like prehistoric technology like he knows every so much about his culture and yeah. how to how the people his people would build tools and stuff yeah. and he was saying that um he's he has a friend who's also an indigenous guy who very much believes in in bigfoot through like um an indigenous perspective which which i most indigenous peoples do mm-hmm. whether it's here or around in you know united mm-hmm. states it's i mean there are stories from or not the United States, but around the world, there are stories from just about every continent in the world hmm. with some kind of creature, whether it's you know of of that the, that nature of that description, the description, hmm. and it, but they're you know they're different names, you know mm-hmm. you know the Yaren in, in China, the Yowie in Australia, hmm. you know the Almasi in Russia, you know things like that, but they're all the same. They all fit that general description. Uh, some are bigger, some are smaller. Uh, the, the orang pandek uh, is generally talked to be talked about being smaller, uh, which in Pennsylvania there's there's a legend, you know, called the uh, the albatwitch, which is a small four like four to five foot uh, hairy little creature that's running around and and it, that, if I remember right the the name comes from can you repeat the name albatwitch albatwitch yeah oh, I love that uh, I think it comes from like you know it's been derived from uh, apple, apple snitch or apple witch, oh, okay. you know, stealing apples. Um, but then it leads, you know, those lead into creatures that have been, you know, Bigfoot that, you know, people have come forward to seeing here, which West Virginia here lately is just gaining foothold with that. You know, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. Ohio has been, you know, uh, you know, as far as this East Coast and, and stuff like that, has it, been the mecca of really of okay. Pennsylvania or of, of the local tri-state here of Bigfoot hmm. uh, you know Salt Fork in Ohio and hmm. areas in Pennsylvania but West Virginia is starting to come in its own because people are finally opening up you know before people didn't open up you, know? you mean that people wouldn't talk about wouldn't it wouldn't talk about it right because it you get ostracized for being weird or something yeah, uh, it, it, you know we have our stories and you know when you're amongst those folks that you can trust, yeah, but for sure, it takes a while sometimes to to build that rapport to get people to talk to you. Um, but it, it has opened up people telling me about seeing, you know, the same thing that people claim to see in the Pacific Northwest: uh, a hairy man. Hmm. Uh, I've heard you know, stories of white ones, small ones, big ones, black one, you know, black collar, brown collar, red collar, 
Um, but I, I, I still don't know what what they're what they're what they've seen. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I like I said, I haven't seen anything. I've been out to locations. I, I have found a handful what I, what I believe are tracks. Hmm. Uh, they were actually at uh, the right now they're at the museum. Uh, there's a there was a museum opened in Sutton, a uh, Bigfoot monster museum or Bigfoot West Virginia Bigfoot museum in Sutton. You did a cast. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. cool. So you that's, poured you poured the yeah. Um, what is it? Uh, I just used plaster Paris. <laughs> you poured it into the track. Yeah. <laughs> it's a Bigfoot museum. Yeah, I've got that's um, cool, man. I got, I got a handful of them down there. Wow. Um, um, yeah. So I guess some skeptic theories I hear, and I'm sure you've heard this a million times, is people saying that maybe they're bears because bears will stand up and walk around. Yeah. And then I was wondering too, like the few times I've seen a mangy bear, they're pretty terrified yeah. looking. And so I wonder if that correlates with some of these Bigfoot sightings. Uh, the mangy bear it might cor- might correlate to the couple of the dogman sightings you'll get. Mm, okay, you know? that makes sense. Uh, but as far as you know, a majority of folks here in West Virginia know what a bear looks like. Oh, duh, of course, uh, this is bear. But when you when you kind of you kind of it's a good point when you when you pose your questions in a certain way, mm-hmm. not to lead anybody, but to ask them certain things. You know, you'll find that their answers doesn't match. It doesn't mm-hmm. fit the, 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 that bear. Um, one of the general ones is, you know, just tell me a description. It'll tell you the face. And and I was like, well, I'll ask them how, what about, you know, the body shape? Mm-hmm. And the ones that stick out to me are the ones that say he's got broad shoulders. Mm. Bears don't have broad shoulders. Mm. They slope. Their legs slope down, you know, when they're standing, even when they're standing on their hind legs. Or the few that I've had were, they seen the thing moving away, and they can see the legs, and obviously see a buttocks. Mm. Bears don't have butt cheeks, mm. you know. But suppose these things do. You know, if you've ever seen the Patty film, that's one thing that sticks out. Yeah, there's, you know, a butt like a human, and then head breast, you know, which gorillas don't have. Mm. So. So, do these yeah. people who you've talked to around here in West Virginia? It, are they describing more of like a really hairy person or is it more of an ape type thing? It depends. There, okay. there have been a couple of them that's it's been like human, more human characteristics than, than ape. Uh, most of them are like gorilla, chimpish face or mm. something like that. Uh, the one that I know one that I took was in the Dolly Sods area. Ooh, beautiful up there. Uh, wow. The guy the guy claims that this thing, you know, came into his camp and he interacted with it in his camp and it basically fit it's like some of the old wild man stories, you know, like the the feral, you know, I, the feral people which I recently uh heard about, you know, in West Virginia. Um but he, he <clears throat> I asked him what it looked like and he's he's an anthropologist and he's really? like yeah, he's like he said, I, I don't know if you know what, the, what they are. He said, but do you know what a Denisovian is, if I'm pronouncing it right? And I'm like, uh, yeah, I've heard of it. I know it's an, it's an ancient uh, hominid or whatever. He said, they were small. He said, but this thing had that face of a, what, what could have been, you know, through fossil records, a Denisovian might have looked like, but it was a huge, it was just a big bodied person. I mean, it had hair all over. He said it was slender but muscular and probably stood about seven foot tall. And it come into the camp, and him and his buddy were camping, 
what what happened to start it started off is they were they were out hiking and his buddy was not taking care of his water properly he was drinking water straight from which you don't do especially in that area and so he got sick yeah he got the runs yeah and he said it was you know he was had it was coming out both ends he went he said i'm going back to camp and his buddy and he said i'm told my buddy said i'm still going to hike so as he, he wanted to get to a certain area to see see uh you know this overlooker what what it was and he's coming back he decided to go back and he sees his buddy like away from camp setting like or hiding behind something a log or something i can't remember which what it was but uh he said what are you doing he said man there's someone in a tent there's something in the tent and he thought well maybe there's a bear and he watches these he said he watches these legs come back out of the tent and stands up and it's just a large naked with hair you know not thick hair but hair over man come out of the tent and he's like he's like wow what the hell you know so he starts he goes down and the thing runs down over the hill he goes down toward the tent and he's trying to find it and all he could hear was this crush just crashing through the brush so later that night they're in bed they got a fire started and they're he said he's laying they're both laying in the tent because his buddy wanted to leave, and he said he refused to leave because it was going to be dark. He said, you know, I'm not, you know, we're not walking out. He said, we'll stay here. And, but his buddy was like, no, I really want to leave. But, they, you know, but he talked him out of it, I guess. So they're laying in the tent, and he said he's asleep, and he, hear, he has his buddy, his buddy nudges him, and he's like, hey, it's outside. It's back outside. And uh, he looks, and the fire is throwing a shadow, and he can see the shadow on the tent. And he's like, well. He, so he crawls out of the tent or looks out the tent and he sees this thing standing there. And he's like, I'm, to me, it's still just a big man. You know, it's, it, it's got to be a man. So he gets out of the tent and is like basically trying to communicate with it. And he's like, this thing's standing there. And he's like, I, he said, maybe I'm dreaming. Maybe I'm. So he goes over and he says, I grab it by the arm and, and, says, and says something. And he said, this thing reacts and says something back, like tries to mimic what he's saying. So. It runs off, and later in the morning, they're, if I remember all of them, because this is like a two-hour conversation I had with the fellow. This is an anthropologist that you interviewed. Yeah. Wow. And he's telling me, he's like, we're sitting there having breakfast. He said, we're ready, we're wanting to get out, but we're going to get something to eat for breakfast. And this thing shows up at the edge line, the the, uh, w- the edge of the wood line, comes back the next morning. And he sitting there eating, and this thing turns around, Goes back in the wood line and then comes back later with a dead deer, throws this deer on the ground near the like near the fire, and looks at him. And he said, "We're just standing there, sitting there looking at each other." And then it reaches down and like pulling meat off, sitting eating this deer, raw deer with him at the campfire. And then it you know that wanders back off and he tries it to uh, um, like not pursue it, but you know. And it finally they it goes back and forth like playful banter back and forth between them in this field and stuff and eventually it leaves that's one of the strangest things i've ever heard it is you know what again this goes back to what we're talking about with the hyenas i wonder if people are seeing our caveman ancestors like some weird neanderthal or pre that i wonder if people are having these experiences of our ancient past yeah like for an anthropologist to have an experience like that how peculiar yeah man God, I don't know what to make of that story. I mean, um, what I was thinking about last night is, 
if these creatures, you know, uh, some people, some the skeptic argument with the idea that this is a flesh and bone creature, mm-hmm. an actual ape that actually lives in the woods that is as real as you and me here and um, not paranormal, but a natural creature is like, how come no one, none have ever showed up dead on the side of the road? You know, stuff like that. That's something you hear people say. What I was thinking about last night, especially because you were talking about the Dali Sods and yeah. a lot of the national forest that I live near, you know, I told you we just got this little dog. It's a squirrel dog. So I've been listening to a lot of podcasts with, you know, houndsmen, like the mm-hmm. guys that bear hunt and mountain lion hunt, and they use hounds to tree bears. Um, like, I would imagine someone like that would be who, yeah. you know, corners one of these things. You know, their dogs would corner this strange thing out in the woods. Have you ever heard a legend from hunters? Because you, you would think these things would show up on game cameras. Yeah. You know? Well, like you said, I'm a skeptic with some of it because of that, you know, skeptic believer, mainly a believer because. I believe the, that people have experienced They're like experiencing something. Absolutely, without I'm a doubt. I'm skeptic because of the, that, you know, with the game cameras. But if, if these things are, if they do exist, and there is an intelligent, even remotely as, as much as we are, maybe not, they may not have the speech that we have or, or, or things like that. Or maybe they're, they're, you know, way beyond our comprehension of what can be done. You know, it's just our conceit of us thinking we're top of the line, top of the food chain that, you know, hinders our thought process, I guess. Um, <clears throat> what if these things, you know, because if they do live out in the woods and that's where they, they've always lived, then they're the master of their domain. They, mm-hmm. they know where to hide. They know how to hide. They know, you know, everything to do. And there, there are stories where dogs have went hmm. and go to an areas and, and, and people would smell certain areas things or and the dogs that are supposedly hunting dogs or, you know, that will hunt bear that will turn around and hide. Oh, they get spooked. Yeah, and will, it will hide. Mm. Uh, I've heard those stories. Oh, so my God. Maybe there's – maybe – I, maybe they because you always yeah. hear people talk about cats and dogs getting spooked about yeah. ghost stuff that you know they key in on things that people don't normally notice. Yeah. Wow, whoa! And and as far as like game cameras, I, I've got game cameras I put out and stuff. Um, a lot of people don't realize that that game camera, even though it's just a little contained unit, and mm-hmm. you think well, you put it out there, when they're in like complete silence, you can hear them. Mm. They they buzz when they make a little. Mm. They take a picture. They click, you know, <clears throat> things like that. Maybe they pick up on that. Maybe they've learned what those are. Mm. Uh, you and also, bears tend to tear game cameras up because the batteries. They, they their sense of smell is way heightened. You know, mm. past ours that they could smell this battery and certain chemicals in the battery. They they mistaken for like a like an ant hill or something like that. So maybe that's why these things can avoid game cameras. Whether they do or don't, I don't know. But maybe that, that's a possibility. Maybe they avoid them because they have that heightened smell. They can, they've recognized that smell, so they avoid it. That's, that's some theories that folks, some folks have. Man, interesting stuff. Well, is there anything else you want to say about Bigfoot? Do um, you want to hear any stories about that? Hell yeah, I do. Okay. Um, yeah, do you have your own personal experiences with this? Because uh, I saw on your YouTube videos that you and your son will go out to kind of do some 
investi- investigation yeah. stuff. I mean, your son must be having the time of his life <laughs> to go out with dad doing stuff yeah. like this. Um, we'll start. I'll start with one that's not mine, but okay. I'll tell you about which, since we're in this area. Yes, which, please. Which this one happened just basically, you know, as a crew flies just about five miles from here, mm-hmm. you know, somewhere in that neighborhood. It was in the 70s. Uh, this gentleman had just gotten back from Vietnam. He's a Vietnam vet. Mm. And uh, his his mother, his, his oldest sister had had, had our, she was had several kids at the time, and actually she ended up having several more after that. Uh, she ended up with twelve kids altogether. Oh my god! Because I, I I talked to the family, you know, for years after, or for, I knew the family for years, and anyway, the uh, there there's again that dad was gone. He had already passed away, and he got back from Vietnam, and he was left. They had a farm, and he was left at the farmhouse one day to watch his sister's kids while his mother and sister done the. Uh, they did a monthly uh, grocery run mm. for the, for the family, and they were all him and the, his nephews and niece and nephews are there, and the oldest nephew that was with them, you know. I forget how it was, but how he was, but it was not quite a teenager yet. And they were they were sitting there, and the water went off in the house. And they ran. They had a pump, you know, or had a well, and they had a pump. But the pump, there was another uh, pump in the in the basement, like off to the part of the. It was an old farmhouse, had like a uh, smoke cellar and stuff like that. And off to one side, there was a, a root cellar like type part, I guess the way he explained to me. Under one end of the the one end of the house, and that's where the pump was at. And there were in there were stairs that led to that to that ba- that uh, cellar area. Well, he told his nephew, he said, "You need to go over and check the pump, you know, see you know the, what's wrong with it." Or basically, you know, even though he was a young younger guy, a younger kid, and uh, his nephew's like, "No, I don't want to go over there. I don't want to go down." He said, "Man, you'll be all right. I'll stand here at the back door. You go over and you know." check it out and I'll make sure you know I gotta watch the kids I'll watch you and you just go tell, tell me see if the power's on or, or whatever what it was and he said his nephews agreed and walked across the yard and the way he described it to me the house was almost when the area was it was kind of like like an L shaped on that back side of the house and and the stairs were at the far end of that other leading down to that other portion of the, the house as his nephew started down the steps he sees about six feet off the ground this red arm, like red hairy arm with hair hanging three to four inches or so below its arm with a large hand reach around the corner of the house and go to grab his nephew by the top of the head. He screams at his nephew, and that's when his nephew like looks and he sees and like ducks and takes off running and runs back to the house. And he said he, he after that he went try to find any kind of evidence or tracks or anything. He said he never seen anything. He didn't know what it was. And he didn't even know what Patterson Gimlin film was at the time. And he said that years later, as he, you know, read stuff and seen TV shows, that that, the only thing he can relate it to or liken it to was a a Bigfoot creature, at least the arm of one. So bizarre. Yeah. And so why, so you said they they have been called Stone Man? Yeah. Why is it called Stone Man? That I'm not exactly sure. Okay. Uh, I know there. I know Russ Jones has a book called Tracking the Stone Man, but I, 
But like I hate the words Bigfoot. Yeah. yeah. Because because there's so much behind it. Like I love all the other names. There's there's a there's a Native American connection to it. It just mm. sadly I just haven't looked mm. into it that deep. But I know I know there's a book out there called Tracking the Stone Man. It's a, a fellow here in West Virginia called mm. Russ Jones. You might want to look into it to okay. find more about it. God, that's peculiar. And you said there's another one. Uh, the old man in the woods. They just called the old man in the woods. Yeah, <clears> old man yeah. in the woods. Yeah, the old the old folk called the old man in the woods. Okay, I'm going to use that. And so were people. Let's see, because when we talked about the turtle monster, you had these um, examples from like, um, you know, the old settlers. Yeah. Were, are there examples of some old man in the woods from the um, settlers and stuff? There, which it's just like any other stories that, that have been, you know, passed down or, 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 or even the ones chronicled in newspapers. And they, they, they call it the wild, a wild man. Mm. Uh, there are a few in West Virginia where, you know, a crazed wild man, hairy wild man was seen, or like I mean, are we talking about like eighteen hundreds, eighteen nineteen hundreds and mm. stuff like that? Uh, one was actually in Morgantown, where a guy, or not a guy, I'm sorry, a train was coming along in Morgantown near the, the Okapiska area, this, mm. is what it's called, and somebody was standing along the tracks and was was shooting. Mm. I guess the to flag the train down, basically, or something, or. So they thought he was holding the train up. Mm. Well, eventually it went on, and I guess it happened. Something happened again later, where some this person was throwing rocks at the train. But as the conductor got out, they realized this guy's covered in hair, like bristly hair, and large stature. And the conductor was too afraid to to approach him. So he had actual people come off the train, and they all describe it as a hairy creature. Uh, a crazed wild man they called it or something like that the tax train but it was it was a it was a new, it's in a newspaper article i just don't know what to do with that it's just so it's yeah. so bizarre god incredible incredible hmm what do you think i don't know i mean i my, I, I mean my feelings is that just from today is yeah. that something is going on with our ancient past yeah who we used to be and we're having some weird matrix like glitch in the matrix where we're seeing ourselves from a long time ago mm. something i have no idea man huh. Do, you would imagine someone would you imagine some like some guy out in the woods would have shot at one some hunter or something. I like mean, that. there there have been stories, you know, maybe not here in West Virginia, but there have been stories across the United States mm. where where they've been shot or shot at, uh, even killed. I mean, people claim to kill them. I mean, it, well, one and of, then for, it vanishes or something. Uh, some people there have been stories that they've been killed and they go back. They're not there. There's been a, a stories that you know they they have found one dead or something, mm. and, and there I forget where it was at. It might have been the Pacific Northwest. I can't remember or Canada. I don't remember the, where the, the origin of the story was, but I remember hearing it where a, a some hunters hunters or something or, or rafters. I can't remember exactly what it was. Or back, or, but they found one along a river, and they went back to get whatever to retrieve this body because they were you know whether this is a true story or not to take it back to prove mm -hmm. as they were coming back they noticed that there was two more had come in and was carrying the body off. Two more of these creatures carrying the body off. Yeah, whether that's a legitimate story, I'm not know. You know of I course. Know. Yeah. You know, um, 
I'm, I'm remembering something that I was thinking about, and especially when you're talking about that anthropologist experience. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you already know about this, but I read about it last night that Teddy Roosevelt mm-hmm. has this story. You know, Teddy Roosevelt traveled the world on these epic hunting excursions. Yeah. He went out west to be a cowboy. Um, he has a story where he met, I think like maybe in 1900, I don't remember the exact date, but he met some legendary, you know, you know, woodsman hunter. Mm-hmm. There's two of them, yeah. Yeah, who has this insane, this guy named Bauman, I believe, B-A-U-M-A-N, who has this insane story about this thing that came into their camp and, like, created hell. Yeah, they they tore the camp up and they... And Teddy Roosevelt um, wrote the story. He listened to the guy tell the story and then he wrote it down. And if I remember right, one of the two fellas left the camp Mm-hmm. And to do something and come back when they they were back. trapping or something like that. And when he come back, the the one the other fellow had been killed. <laughs> yeah, supposedly they shot at something or something like that. There was mm-hmm. something that there was some kind of some kind of moment where it supposedly, you know, I guess they made this thing feel threatened or or something. I guess, mm-hmm. but yeah, they ended up, one of the uh, fellows ended up being killed. Man. Now, do you have your own experiences with all this stuff? I guess, yeah. Why don't we kind of talk about, I mean, we can for sure end talking about your book and maybe a few other of the creatures, but let's talk about your experiences with all this. Like, why are you so interested in this? I mean, it's like people are just interested in what they're interested in, but is there a reason why, like, you love this stuff? Um, like, have you loved it since being a little kid or what? How, did you have an experience that got you into it? Not the cryptid part. Okay. Uh, I've had... I had an experience when I was like seven or eight years old um, with what I would consider, what a lot of people would consider a shadow person. Hmm. Um, so that got me into... Can I hear the experience? Yeah. But that's, that's what got me into doing what I, what I did. Because I, I started, I did, I, I did paranormal investigating and stuff for many years before getting into the cryptid stuff. But... Um, I was, he said, I was around seven or eight. I don't remember exactly how old I was. I just remember I was in eight, I was in second grade, and we we moved into an old house. It was an old farmhouse, and it it, it was, you know, I, I loved it. it was the it was a big two story house. Had the big sun porch on the front. Had pine trees in, you know, perimeter the perimeter the whole front yard. Uh, we had a chicken big chicken coop, a barn couple barns um and stuff like, and we had that outhouse <laughs> yeah yeah i'm not i'm pushing 50 but i you know not too many people in my age say they they used an outhouse but yeah we used we had an outhouse and but the house itself when you got into it or at least for me just felt weird it just i had just uneasy uh like i would walk through the house and, and if i'd go by doorways that the lights weren't on i felt like something was going to grab me from the doorways and 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 whatnot <clears throat> so i was kind of on edge in the house all the time and what i experienced you know some people might think oh it's just imagination of a, 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 a young kid but like i said i'm almost 50 now and i can still remember like it was yesterday but what happened is my brother and i we, there's three of us now but at the time there was two brothers 
we shared a bedroom. As you walked in the doorway, then there was just a basic square, like not even square, like a rectangle, little small room. And there was a wall to the left of the door and a small wall to the right of the door. And the window across, direct, almost directly across from the, the doorway on the other side of the room. Well, our bed set in that corner, you know, the uh, off to the left-hand side. And I, we would go to, go to the bed, and I had the bottom bunk. And I would remember, I could remember, I remember seeing these shadows that seemed to go across the wall and over toward the window. And I'm thinking, well, maybe it's something moonlight type. But then I noticed, no, these are little. They look like little figures moving, you know. And I, like I said, I'm only like seven or eight years old, and I'm like, set, I would sit there, lay there, and scared to death. And I tried to scream for my mom or my dad. I went and tried to scream for my mom. I screamed, tried to scream, and I couldn't do it. I, I was like, f- not frozen fear, but just like locked, you know, like. But I w- wasn't having sleep paralysis. I, I remember taking the blankets and covering my head and hiding. Because I, I, you know, like I said, I was, in, I was scared to death. And I'd sit there and I'd, I'd you know, pray that it would just go away. And eventually I'd look out and there was nothing there. And I'd, I'd go to sleep. Well, that happened a few times. And then after a couple times, I kind of was diverted away from the ones that were walking across, that were going across the wall. And I looked in the corner by the door and there's a, there's a large one standing in the corner over I mean it's bigger bigger than these and today I I I I call it the maybe the overseer of the others like it was watching the other ones and I same thing I'd cover my head up and just hope and pray they'd go away and eventually I looked and it was gone and this went on for a a fearsome time and every time I tried to call yell for my dad I couldn't do it and then there's the one time to me, it's, it's the last time because we actually moved after, not too far long after it happened. It was standing there, and I seen it. And this time, instead of covering up, I actually set up and like scooted up in the corner and try, you know. And when I did, it went from looking at the other ones to turning its head and looking at me, just you know, just like like that. And within an instant was in eight to ten inches from my face leaning under my bed right like right here and it it had the form of a person you know the, the silhouette of a person like or, or what or whatnot um the uh the black the, it you know you hear other people say it's blacker and black you know it was black but this one wasn't like a like a opaque black like solid cut out of a you know dark black piece of paper or something it almost looked like it was like a extremely dark black smoke inside this form rolling around like it was it's the best i can you know explain it and it uh after a few seconds it back it like kind of backed up and uh turned and went and like it didn't walk because i didn't see anything you know moving it kind of glided or floated or, or whatnot out the door, turned left and went down toward our living room. And then, and like I said, that was the last time I seen it. And we moved later, not too long after that. And then since I've seen that, 
probably once or twice a year I have recurring nightmares of uh, that house and this force chasing me through the house and I can't get away from it and I'll I'll wake up and screaming uh, or crying you know my even even in my adult age or adult life and go right back to sleep and it starts right over and it, it happens a couple times a year. I think because I've been told in my lifetime that there's there's a family there's a family my dad always calls it the, the the Odell curse uh, and I told I've been told by a couple psychics that there's there's a long time family attachment. My dad believes it was because his grandmother because she he she was a witch she was into the dark art yeah he uh, he swore that she was a witch that she could do all kind of weird stuff and he and when he was a kid. And he was a, like five years old or something like that. He stayed with her a lot. Uh, they lived close close by, and he would he he was, you know, told to stay there. You know, why that whatever was going on, you know, here and there. And he, but he stayed overnight with her a lot. And he said he seen things that she would do. He said that she ta- he talked about her having a Bible on a table and would have it whatever and read say something in the Bible. I, he said it was a Bible. I don't know. He said the Bible would lift off the table and spin and everything like that, and she could make the windows close with, without doing anything and or without touching them. And but uh, he he said what he thinks started the curse or started it is his old his uh, other brother she hated she didn't like and she told him don't you ever go in a dark room by yourself because uh, I'll get you at one point. My dad was going to his grandmother's house, and he's walking up the stairs, and he doesn't know if this was directed, or this just happened, or directed toward his brother. But as he as he's got to the uh, near the top of the steps, he said, out of his grandmother's room walked either the devil or a demon itself, and stared at him, eye to eye. So from that point on, my dad, you know, ended up being, you know, he went to Vietnam and stuff like that. He was considered, he, you know, he, many people knew he considered him a tortured soul until he met my mom. Uh, they believed there was, he was, had a time, act like he was, had, was possessed with a certain thing, you know, certain times. And uh, so he always called that the curse. Um, yeah, been able to do things that you sh- he shouldn't be able to I he got he got in an argument one time just to give you an example with with a guy and this guy took a bumper jack and hit my dad across the back of the head hit him across the back of the head and the shoulder left a hole in his in his uh, shoulder and stuff and people people seen that were there seen it happen said it never phased him it, he, it was like he turned his face looked different like like I don't know, distorted. The guy ran from him, and my dad literally, they said literally, tore his car apart with his bare hands, like like a like a monster just tore it apart, tore the doors off of it, everything. There was other stories that he did things, but I remember. Then I remember as a kid, we lived in this little. It was actually a small small trailer. Uh, when I was little, I was only like five or six, five years old or so. He uh, he would wake up screaming. You know, which PS, you know, whatever from Vietnam War. But he, I remember all that. But he swore that there was, because he, he was tortured mainly because, from that, because the first life he took in Vietnam was a, was a 13-year-old boy, basically. 
the boy stepped out of the woods and with a, with a gun and my dad shot him. Well, he swore that this, this, this boy would drag, try to drag him by the foot out of bed. And, and then as we moved in this, this trailer, later we learned that the, a, a little boy had drowned in the creek near, the tra- near this trailer. Well, my dad started seeing, saying this little boy was coming, would come into his room, but he said it looked just like me. This little boy looked just like me. And he, uh, he would say, go back to bed. And the boy would turn, and I would turn around and go back to bed. And then after a few times, the boy wouldn't move. So he said he sat up in the bed on, the, on, on his elbow, and he went to grab, you know, whatever, like, you know, hush me along or rush me along or whatever to go back to bed his arm went right through me and then some other things started happening with him i remember the things he like the anger issues that he didn't he didn't have it toward us but just like there was depression like he dealt with a little bit and but i remember him and my mom got into an argument in in that trailer and my, they got in a big fight and he my mom was a bigger lady and he and my dad was five foot six, five foot seven. And he grabbed my mom by the throat, picked her up with one hand, and and his face, I remember his face looked like not the same. And I remember him grinning and like, oh, I didn't know, I didn't know, you know, this this didn't look like my dad. She was enough to where she could grab there was a, a board along our uh uh we had a wood burner. There was a board there. She grabbed that board and swung it and hit him across the side of the face, and he just laughed at her. She finally, he finally let her go. She got a hold of my grandma, and a while, I don't remember how long it was, it was a day or two later, my grandma shows up with somebody. I don't know who this guy was. She tells me and my brother, I'm five, my, you know, I'm like five or six years old. My brother is like three years younger than me. She'll just go outside. Just get out of here. I'm standing on the porch, and I can hear my dad. I can hear somebody yelling, arguing. I can hear my dad, and I remember feeling like this vibration. I could feel like the whole house, the whole little trailer is vibrating. Next thing I know, this the door flies open. This wind hits me dead square in my face and body, and then everything's then nothing you know I don't remember anything ever happened again and then it goes on years later I started having well I would see different things and this and that and we I lived in a house I just got married and I my wife and I had was having a rough time actually we were together for a while but we ended up having a rough time and we had a son and and my we we kind of split up and my son kept telling me you know dad I don't want to go in the house. I was like, why do you want to go in the house? He said, because it's cold in there. And he said, the, he said, the little boy, it's in the house. And I'm like, what do you mean? What little boy? He said, there's a little boy in the house and his name's Kevy. And he said, he, he tells me all kind of stuff and I don't like what he tells me. So that's where I think whatever dad dealt with sometimes stuck with me. So... Then I real then my mom tells me years later that I used to have an imaginary friend of a little boy. I used to sit and say, "Do you see the little boy?" Or tell her that I was playing with a little brown boy, and you know. And uh, but anyway, my son, I was like, "Well, what does this boy look like?" And he said, uh, "He's about the same size as me. You know, he he's got 
this or whatever. He's got yellow eyes and sharp teeth. And so I went to talk to my grandma, and I told her what was going on. And she goes, this is what you need to do. You need to go in, you know, basically fight, tell her you need to leave and this and whatever, and, and everything should be fine. So I did that, and there were things that happened still, you know, not like that was, and, but there was things that would come up missing in my house. Then the next thing you know, um, just show up here or show up there. I had stuff, I seen stuff roll across the, the in my kitchen t- or living room t- uh, coffee table. I watched a glass just break in half, even break, even half fall over, fall apart. Uh, I went to bed one night after this after me and my wife had split up, and I'm laying in bed and I get this real cold feeling on the side of my head and I just just about to doze off, and I hear this voice just whisper like, "Are you asleep yet?" And I, I'm like, "Man, you know, is it ever going to stop?" And then eventually things like quit, you know, basically and and uh, but then. My dad still, through his life, said, yeah, the, the curse still here. I see, I still see things. But uh, he ended up getting, my mom had cancer. And then my dad ended up with heart failure and, and stuff. But he still, you know, whatever, dealt with, you know, he was dealing with that, my mom. And he got to the point where my mom, my mom was pretty sick. Had She had been in remission, and they went into remission. And my dad was dealing with, the, you know, heart failure. And he was laying on the on the couch, and he wouldn't go to the hospital. He wouldn't leave my mom. I was like, Dad, you got to go. Because we didn't know what was wrong with him. He was just laying there because he, he couldn't breathe. And I finally, you know, called the uh, called the co- or uh, ambulance to come and get him. So he finally went, and he and he cut back home, and then he started telling us, when, you know, because he was getting better after they did stuff. He fa- he t- started telling us boys about things he was seeing in the house and he's like don't think I'm nuts don't think I'm nuts but I was see- he said I've seen people walk around the house he said but the thing the worst thing I've seen he said this figure this black figure standing in the corner and I was like well what he said I think it's the angel of death I was like what do you mean dad he said I swear it when it it would spread its back and look like it had wings you know and whatnot. he said but it doesn't feel like it's some angel like a, a you know an angel from heaven it just feels bad and i was like okay you know we talked and then went on and my mom passed away and he would tell stories about her screaming in the house and he walked into the room one time and the uh, blankets on the, the foot of her bed were straight out something was trying to pull the blankets off over in the house and after she passed away he said that things were happening in the house a bunch um footsteps uh things like up and down the stairs and you know so uh i i i eventually did an investigation at the house and we caught evps of you know like the two there's two guys that said you know we need help and all this kind of stuff um and and then there was one time i i picked him up because we were working together and i i had come off the road to take care of him but he still went to work and we were working together and i i come in or pulled in he come out the door and he's like man i forgot my my lunchbox i said i gotta go get it he said just be careful he said because whatever's in there's not been very good last night he said it's been up and down the stairs so i come out as i'm opening the door i hear these footsteps running down the stairs and then the, the i hurry up and got the door shut and shut it and it just sounded like something waxed the wall and, and like the door as i went out the door so then 
eventually he retired and he got he got to the point where he his health just wouldn't let him let him do anything and he uh we all went to he couldn't do much but we all went to camping for father's day and he went with us and or he actually drove himself and the following week of, of, of after that he calls me and said hey he said uh I was getting out of bed and fell, and I can't get back up. So I go, I go over, and he's like, I don't know what's wrong. He said, my leg feels funny. He said, it's weak, and I can't get back up. So long story short, he ends up in a, a, a pretty good stint in the hospital. Got to the point where, you know, because he, he was a hard-headed man. Didn't, didn't want to be in the hospital. Didn't, you know. So he come home, and uh, we took care of him, me and my brothers. And I was there quite a bit. And I would, it got to the point where he was on hospice care. I was the one taking care of, I had to administer his morphine, his Ativan, and stuff like that for, his, for the pain he was going through. Uh, and his, uh, 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 not, what do you want to call it, panic when he would, couldn't breathe right. You know? So that helped him. And so on, the, uh, on August the 12th of 2019, uh, it was me and my middle brother had stayed, and my my brother was uh, sleeping on the couch beside dad in his in his uh, uh, hospital bed, and I was actually sleeping on the dining room floor on air mattress. So that then it rolled into the 13th, early the August 13th, like 2:30 in the morning. I remember the time because I remember looking at my phone when I got up because I was like wondering how long he had rested because he didn't rest very well I got up gave him his medicine he calmed down and within like 10-15 minutes I went and my brother lay back down I laid back down and I'm laying on the air mattress and I remember like I don't know if you want to say I dozed off quick but I, it was like I almost went into an uh, almost dreaming you know like a dream state and I remember in that dream my, my, uh, at the time he was seven, seven or eight, seven, eight. And, uh, son standing beside the bed. I'm thinking, why are you here? You know, thinking, how did you get here? You know, who brought you here? Because to me, I'm seeing my son. And then I guess I was, I had enough consciousness, even though I was, you know, may have been asleep. I don't know. And he shouldn't even be at that house. I woke up. I looked to where he was standing, should have been standing. And that's when I see this figure standing beside the bed. It reminded me of like, it was like not quite a shadow person, but it had like his longer arms, like skinny fingers. Uh, it was fuzzy looking, like it, like it almost like old static on TV, but black and gray. Um, skinny like legs and, and big, like bulky looking feet. And I could see hollow black eyes or hollow places where its eyes were. And then I see the wings. It, it wings above its shoulders. And it and I'm like sitting laying there for like five or ten seconds trying to figure out what, what what the hell I'm looking at. And it just like goes across the top of my feet, goes through the doorway into the my mom and my mom and dad's old bedroom, and that was it. I didn't see it. I didn't see it after that. And the weird part is, is I just rolled everyone back to sleep. You know, that, I mean, that sounds weird. I don't know why I did, but I did. Later on the 13th there, 
uh, I told my brother to go home. And I said, because my other brother would be coming. My other brother showed up. Same same scenario that he slept on the couch, I slept on the bed. And everything, my dad was good all night. Didn't have an issue. Didn't have to, he slept through the night, everything. So on the 14th, I get up, we both get up, and I told my brother, I said, go home, get a shower. You know, because I was staying with my dad. They were still working jobs and stuff, and I was I was the one taking care of my dad. I, had, I took some time off work. And I told him, I said, go home, get you a shower, spend some time with your little girl, and come back later, and I'll, go, I'll get something to eat and, you know, go, go home. And he said, okay, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah. So he'd left. Hospice calls me and said, uh, hey, we'll be there shortly. And I'd walked out of the living room into the, into the kitchen, you know, around the corner away from my dad. And I was like, yeah, I said, uh, could you please hurry? He's not doing very well. I turned around, and that's when I noticed my because in, in, when he was in his bed, he was always propped up a little bit because it helped him breathe better. And that's when I noticed he was gasping for air. I went over, I, I flattened the bed out, I straightened him out and held his hand, and he passed away. I mean, thank you for telling that whole story, man. That's that's what I said. It led from that to him passing away and, and all that. And whether it's all the same or, you know, the curse he called it or what, I'm not sure. Do you feel that that curse has finished? Um, I'm hoping, but mm-hmm. my youngest son has has said he at, at times has seen a couple of things here and there. And he talks about, yeah, I was out. At work one time, and he uh, he he whenever shuts the bedroom door, he's like three years old, and then my wife's like, "Why are you shutting that door?" He's like, "Well, because I don't want the monster to get you. I'm protecting you." And I asked him later what he was talking about, and I said, "What did it look like?" He said, "Look like me and you, Dad." He said, "Same shape, you know, you know, a shape like us." I said, "Well, what, what do you mean shape?" He said, "I said what color?" He said, "All black. It's all black." <sighs> what is that? I don't know. So what hope, is that experience that you yeah. guys have been having? So, hopefully, so, so throughout your family, you guys have experienced some kind of black human figure. Yeah, or some odd man, little boy thing. So, dude, that I mean, that's an absolutely chilling story, and I appreciate you telling it on this podcast because obviously that must be pretty intense to tell about your own dad. Yeah. Wow. Powerful, and Thank haunting, you. and chilling. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's rough to tell sometimes, but uh, yeah. Well, thank you. Um, I mean, maybe that this would be a good place to kind of wrap it up. Okay. Um, do you want to just tell people where they could go? Um, you can find me, or you know, my my page at WV Cryptids and Strange Encounters. Uh, you can send me a message on there. You know, if you have anything in West Virginia you want to talk about, uh, I don't. You don't necessarily have to have me come out and do anything. Uh, if you just need somebody to talk to or you share your experience just to get it off your chest, you know, you can do that. Uh, you can also email email me at uh, wvcase at 304. No, sorry. wvcase304 at yahoo.com. And dog, I hear it. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, weird noise. Yeah. Man, I'm blown away by your story. That's like one of the most haunting things anyone's ever told me. I mean, that's just like haunting. Yeah. I mean, it must be like a burden to have a family curse. It, yeah, that's, I mean, if that's what it is, my dad, that's what my dad called it. Right. Um, it, yeah. I mean, like my oldest son that, that, that dealt with the, 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 the boy, he still won't talk about it very much. Mm-hmm. He'll talk it to me. But anybody else, he won't. Do you think your great-grandmother opened something up? It's possible. I've heard with, it's like, I don't even really know what to talk about because this is so intense, but it's like I've heard with witchcraft stuff that um, it's very important to close. Mm -hmm. When you do any kind of ritual, it's extremely important to close the ritual. Yeah. And I have to imagine, I can't even imagine what could be possible if you enter that kind of spiritual, mysterious realm where you open something up and you leave it wide open. Yeah. It's like, who knows what is possible? Right. And um, God, and it's, it's interesting that um, I guess like your experience, it's interesting when you've had the personal experience, but this is also like archetypal, this mm-hmm. like just black cloud. Right. You know, this black human thing, like what the hell is that? An archangel of death, you know? Yeah. Like why has why is there even the archangel of death? Why yeah. is there the Grim Reaper? Obviously these these mythological figures are very yeah. important to the human soul or the human psyche. Like, God almighty man. Well, that is terrifying. Yeah. And I don't know how I would handle having experiences like that. You know, this stuff scares the hell out of me. You know, um, I was always, when I'm growing up, so scared. I it was like, I hope to God I never see a ghost because it's just too scary. And now I've had a bunch of experiences, yeah. but um, I've never had visuals like that. And I don't know how I would handle seeing um, that blackness. I mean, I mean, for me, it's led me to try to find answers of what I experienced. Interesting. Uh, to, to some, it may, you know, it just, I mean, my my brother, my middle brother i mean he experienced stuff in in before too but he he wants nothing to do with it right he he no he doesn't has no interest in hunting for it mm. or, or looking into it or talking to anybody else about it mm. me is just opened a whole you know book of curiosity i guess so by you connecting to other people who have these very mysterious experiences you feel like maybe you're somehow finding answers or healing that part of you that's like what the hell it's been going on. I thought that would be the, mm. the process, but it seems like it just opens up more like questions. And, and mm. you know, like when I think I found, I find something, then there's something that pulls it and says, no, <laughs> there's something else. But majority of why I, I talk to people is, is not to put it on, on, a, on a Facebook page. It's, mm. it's not to put it in a book. It's, mm. it's, you know, if I can, talk to somebody or just listen to somebody and even if that helps them mm. you know with their experience or you know with their you know their struggle that they have with whatever they've dealt with that's that's good for me you know so you're having almost a therapeutic effect on people because they can something that's so bizarre that they can't talk to anyone else about they can talk to you about i'm hoping it you're, does yeah, yeah a healing element uh, yeah wow um and I, I, it help, and 
it also helps that I can, when I talk to folks, and I, and I find that many folks have experienced something like that, I can say, hey, you know, you're not the only one. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, this has happened to other people, you know. Have you met other people who have seen the, this black human figure? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Several. With similar experiences? Um, it's, it's usually the same thing, you know, standing somewhere in a hut room or, or they see it in their house. Uh, there's even, I mean, one that's even gained a lot of notoriety over notoriety across the board is one that people call the hat man. Hat man? Yeah. Oh, that's awful. It's a shadow figure that man that wears a, either a bolo type hat or a, a um, Indiana Jones wide rim type hat. A lot of people claim to have seen that. So. I've had dreams of that. Yeah. When I hear you tell that story, like when I have had my ghost experiences, they're usually extremely emotional. Yeah. Um, with emotions of like sorrow. Right. I'm not really scared. Right. When I hear your story, like the feeling in me is like hatred. Like yeah. I hate that thing. Right. Whatever that is, I hate it. Like get the F away. Yeah. <sighs> I'm talking about the thing, the black yeah. thing. Get yeah. away from me. Get away from me. Man. Well, any final words? No. Just thank you for being here. Thank mm, you for doing this. Thank you for uh having me on. It, it, you know, mm. It's been a fun time, even though we had you know, a bunch of traffic going by. But well, I think because you said that you um you've had a career as a as a truck driver, I think it's apropos <laughs> that we had all these yeah. commercial truck guys driving yeah. past. Um, well, that's but that was one reason why I suggested this place. I wouldn't I didn't think they would be so that they would be there would be any trucks, but they must have put a well or something up the road here mm. and I didn't know about it. Mm. Did you ever have any experiences with your travels, with your truck driving, or did you ever talk to folks? Um, I mean, I've talked to to people that has had weird things mm-hmm. happen to them, see weird things along the road. Mm-hmm. But as far as as far as me, mm-hmm. uh, I never had really anything strange strange mm-hmm. happen. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I thought I saw a UFO once, mm-hmm. uh, but it ended up being you know it was a funny story, but. I uh, was traveling down the road. I was going across Kansas and thought, I'm like, oh, my God, there's a UFO. Mm-hmm. It's that classic, you know, mm-hmm. cigar-shaped silver and, you know, shiny. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. And I'm like, watch. I'm excited, you know. And I'm seeing this, you know, for miles. I keep seeing this thing. And as I go around a turn, it's moving. And and I realize as I got closer, you know, when you if you've ever been to Kansas, it's like flat and you can see forever. Mm-hmm. And there's like, quite a bit of distance between some towns and other. Yeah, we, we drove through it last summer. <laughs> and I rounded this turn and there was a small community and there was a car lot and they had this great big old silver blimp <laughs> tied to the poles. But for miles, I could see this thing thought it was a UFO. But that, yeah. That was great. Well, I'm glad we could end on a little bit of a lighter note. Yeah. Um, again, thank you so much. This has been, um, this has been incredible and enlightening. And like I told you, I came into this just being like, I don't even know what to think of cryptids, but yeah. I really like your approach. I like how you don't know, but don't. you think it's interesting. Yeah. And I love that you go out and you talk to people like an old time folklorist. Yeah. And um, I just found this incredibly interesting. And like you said, if people want to get your little booklet, do they go through your Facebook? Uh, no, they can actually find it on Amazon. Oh, that's right. I saw it on Amazon. Yeah. So it's called West Virginia Cryptids. I'll put a link to that and I'll put a link to your Facebook. Thank you. All right, brother. Thank you so much. <laughs>